I'm David Woodshill, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber and BGA, and you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. The disruption caused by COVID-19 has led many business schools around the world to have to invest in quickly developing education technology to continue teaching and learning, in spite of the international lockdown. I spoke to Nick Barneville, Associate Dean, Degree Programs Director at the EdTech Lab at ESMT Berlin, to find out how his school has responded to COVID-19. But we also talked about how, when it comes to education technology, business schools have looked on the situation not as a destructive crisis, but as an opportunity to be strategic and work together in collaborating to develop exciting tech initiatives to positively impact the future of business education. Well, hi, Nick. Thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us. Um, I thought it would be useful if we if we kicked off the interview with you, perhaps telling us a little bit about yourself and, and your career. Sure, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, so my name is Nick Barnival, originally from Dublin in Ireland. Um, lived abroad pretty much constantly since 1992, which is a while. Spent some time in uh, in Australia and France and Germany and the UK and in the States and fell into the world of business education uh, really in uh, two, yeah, 2000. Um, when I was a master's student at the School of Oriental and African Studies in London, uh, studying development economics and wondering, okay, what does a 30-year-old development economics master's graduate do? Uh, other contemporaries had gone back to do MBAs and things. I, I was more interested in the development side. So uh ended up getting a job in, in INSEAD in Fontainebleau, uh, doing marketing for their MBA program globally. I did that for a couple of years and then moved into a position there of uh, head of communications for INSEAD, um, spent altogether about five years in France, then went, went back to Dublin, joined University College Smurfit, uh, University College Dublin Smurfit School, uh, spent four years there running their MBA portfolio, uh, before moving to Berlin to the European School of Management and Technology, so to ESMT in 2010. So that's, that's quite a long time ago now. Uh, I thought I'd be here in Berlin for maybe five years maximum that was kind of my history but i've been here it's now since my 11th year uh in berlin and uh, yeah that's that's where i am i'm associate dean for degree programs and uh for the past two and a half years i've also been responsible for building our ed tech business great so very very clear there um in terms of esmt berlin in particular um, what's the sort of role of the of the business school in working to create responsible leaders um, in, in your sort of overall strategy? Yeah, look, I think one of the reasons I've stayed at the SMT for so long is the the whole ethos of the school. It's a school that is based around the principles of the German economy, if we could say it like that. So there is a commitment to um, what we call a social market economy. It's a very wide stakeholder approach that Germany takes in in managing and running its businesses um, and this is reflected in the ethos of the school uh, which is all around you know, uh, creating uh, the the um, responsibility among our graduates that you know with with this concept of managerial power comes a certain responsibility to uh, your employees to your business to society to the environment etc so at ESMT, we built into all our programs the opportunity for students either to um, to do social impact projects, for example, on our master's in management, everybody has to do a, um, a five-week team-based social impact project as part of their credit-bearing uh, courses. Um, every graduate from 
whichever program we have, degree program, be it MBA or Masters, uh, they have the opportunity to go on a fellowship, which is financed by the school for four to six months after their studies um, anywhere in the world, uh, as long as the fellowship uh, can demonstratively show um, positive social impact. So this is something that we believe is fairly unique, and and roughly 10% of our MBA graduates go on one of these fellowships after they graduate. Right, okay. And can you tell us a little bit more about the fellowship and, and the impact that it's having in particular? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll take, I'll take some examples. Um, I actually have a, uh, uh, one fellow who's recently just um, made it out on the last repatriation flight from the German government from Kenya. He was working there on a project uh, to investigate uh, the, the last mile transport of vaccinations working for a Berlin based. Um, um, solar-powered fridge company called Cooler. Uh, so that they, they, this student was was really looking at uh, different testing uh, locations for this this solar-powered fridge uh, for for vaccinations. We've had other fellows who, for example, have been working to to build recycling systems in cities in Sierra Leone, or to um, help German doctors working in the slums of Nairobi to improve their operations. Um, we've had people working for big organisations. Uh, like the disaster relief, and uh, we've also had people teaching, simply teaching entrepreneurship or teaching mathematics in, in schools in South Africa. So, you know, this, um, you know, we have maybe somewhere between ten and fifteen examples every year of these projects. And, and really, um, what what our donors want to see is it's, it's a collection of individual donors. Most most of the donors are given five hundred euros a year to finance uh, one of these projects. So it's a sort of crowdfunded project system. Um, and the donors just want to see that uh, both students are learning, they're getting out of the comfort zone, but they're also managing to use what they've learned at the SMT in a way that has positive social impact. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, where we're probably a little bit weak is in the measurement of the extent of the social impact these projects um, achieve, but we, we get lots of project partners who come back for more, so I guess there's a, there's a positive story in that. Okay. Um, you mentioned at the start of the interview that you're the founding director of ESMT Berlin's EdTech team. Um, I'd be interested to find out what your motivation in starting this team was and, and why you think it's important for the school. So in, in, in taking on the role to, to build and run an EdTech lab at, at ESMT, you know, people might ask, okay, what's an EdTech lab? It's quite simply uh, for us uh, an area where we can combine all of the course development and build for online and blended delivery, as well as um, create a centralized area where we can test out new learning technologies and then spread them across the school. Uh, so about three years ago, um, we were noticing that more and more requests, particularly from custom executive education, were coming in that had a strong blended component. Um, and we were, we were forced to outsource uh, some of these uh, parts in the past. We didn't have the capacity to deliver custom blended programs. We also noticed that maybe in the degree space there was some opportunity there for us as well. So I, I, I've been doing my degree role for yeah eight, eight years at the time and I, I was looking for a new fund so I simply put up my hand and said I'll do it on top of the day job. Uh, so I think um, the, uh, the start of it was to create a business plan for establishing a separate business unit um, to to develop some scenarios that uh, that involved revenue uh, generation, and then to, to come up with a strategy as to how we were going to approach the whole platform uh, discussion uh, in, in you know whether to to go it alone, uh, whether to um, 
build on our existing uh, learning management system, which, like many many of your listeners, would probably be Moodle. Um, but uh, also to look at new providers. So we looked at for, for for whether we would do this ourselves, whether we would go with an online program manager um, such as To You or Coursera, one of those. And we decided that you know these OPNs are strategically not so interesting for us. Uh, because we see this uh, uh, blended and online delivery as a core part of our future business, and we wanted to build our own capacity in that. So uh, we um, we then uh, got together with a group uh, based at Imperial College in London, um, and uh, they actually spun out a company from from Imperial called Incendi. Um, we and uh, now seven other business schools are all collaborating on this platform. Uh, so I think. Um, that's in an alliance called the Future of Management Education Alliance. So really, I think from from starting with looking for a learning management system and, and sort of slowly building up the ed tech team, which is learning designers, project managers, uh, media uh, designers, so we've really learned a lot in how the world works uh, from having, I guess, very little background in that at the beginning. And, and like you say, working in a team like this must give you a, a better understanding of what's around the corner and in terms of the future landscape of business schools and, and education technology and I suppose higher education altogether. Are you getting insight into what this might look like and have you got any sort of insight that you might be able to share with us? Um, yeah, I'm, yes and no, I guess. Uh, you know, I've got a better understanding of the current landscape of business school opportunity looks like. Um, and that involves uh, a lot of um, blending. So I think it's it's uh, if we take the executive education area as as probably being 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 the leader in terms of innovation and closeness to business, you know, we're just seeing that um, exec ed clients are really uh, looking for something that can maximise the the, uh, the benefits for the time spent out of office for the for the travel um, budgets. And really, they're looking, but they're not. They're not um, like we're not, we're not really being pushed into fully online because I think um, executives and ourselves really see the value in in using the face-to-face opportunities for more transformational learning. So, so I think the future will be. Um, we, we won't be seeing too much content um, traffic, like one-way content traffic uh, happening uh, in face-to-face. You know, the time that people will spend together in education, the future will be used a lot more effectively. So we will, I think what really works uh, is when you have the transactional content being presented online and students and learners can, can uh, and participants can go through the material at their own pace and revisit and make sure they understand the basics of the content. And then the face-to-face time is being used more for application and contextualization. So I think this will this this trend will be exaggerated, particularly um, as we're all gaining more and more experience with the technical tools. And everybody is probably on some sort of online learning course as I speak. Uh, working from home, I think people are, are, are a lot more open during the uh, the Corona uh, crisis to to investigate new ways of learning. I mean, I think that's a, a point I, I definitely want to pick up with you uh, as I'm speaking to you, both the UK where I am and, and Germany where you are, are in lockdown because of COVID-19 or coronavirus. Um, I mean, I guess that education technology has really come to the fore as being an important solution to, to helping business schools sort of, I guess, navigate through this this period in time. How is it going for, for, for you in your role in terms of education technology in the current climate? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think we're moving from uh, crisis mode to strategy mode. So, you know, we have, uh, for the first 
month, um, we were sort of saying, okay, how can we get all the courses online? How do we just basically keep, keep everything ticking along? Um, so that involves like everybody, uh, you know, really learning, learning the best practices of, of Zoom, uh, sharing best practices that we learned from delivering a blended MBA program, uh, learning, but it was more about synchronous learning. So, you know, effectively for the first few weeks or the first month, you, know, you can quite effectively uh, translate your face-to-face learning into a Zoom-based environment or a whatever, whatever other tool you use, but Zoom is, is what we use. Um, and then uh, we've been lucky enough that we've got a more substantial repository of courses to fall back on that have already been built for online, so we've been able to convert those um, into the different programs that we're currently running. So, you know, that's sort of stage two is you try and optimize your, your, your existing content uh, and into into an online space that maybe you hadn't planned for. So that's a lot of repurposing of material um, and then and sort of having a, a sort of combined synchronous asynchronous approach. Um, and yeah, I guess the main the main thing now is you know, how do we prepare for um, for post corona or you know, what is the demand going to look like? Um, you know, what do we see happening in terms of our own capacity to deliver blended learning and online learning uh, for the future? But I, I think you know. I think it's frustrating for students who um, who joined a face-to-face program. Um, you know, they just want to get back on campus. I mean, I think it's not necessarily the quality of the content that's, that that they're frustrated with. It's more, you know, the all of the peripheral areas, the networking that they want to do, the um, the extracurricular sessions they want to participate in. So that's kind of tough for students, and I really do feel for them. But uh, I think in terms of the overall. Uh, the learning from a content perspective, I think we're doing a pretty good job. I think that business schools have had a lot of lessons to learn very quickly over the past few weeks. Um, two, two questions, I suppose, moving forward. Do you think that as a whole, business schools were prepared to deal with COVID-19? And moving forward, do you think that it will leave a lasting impact on the higher education sector? Do you think there's been lots of lessons that, that they can learn and adapt moving forward after hopefully this crisis ends? Um, yeah, were, were we prepared to deal with COVID-19? Um, I guess not, because I guess nobody was really prepared to deal with COVID-19. Um, you know, I think that we have probably, as a, an industry, maybe a little bit more experience in, in, in teaching virtually. Um, so, you know, through networks, etc., there was quite a lot to fall back on. When you compare us, for example, to a state primary school system that maybe has no education, no experience of delivering anything online, unless they're in a very advanced economy uh, with a very high uh, technology investment, maybe the Scandinavian countries might be better in that area. But so I think business schools, um, yeah, uh, not ideally prepared, but uh, actually reasonably. I think we've proven ourselves to be reasonably agile in terms of the the uh, the transformation. Um, I think you know that it's the short term sort of sticking a plaster on it and, and making sure everything's running, that's the easy bit. I think, as you mentioned, you know, what's going to happen uh, as a lasting effect. Um, so I think we're going to have to completely reassess um, what the value is that we're delivering um, and how we're delivering that. So I, I don't think there'll be any decrease in demand for education, but there may be um, at least a, a re-questioning of the need to uh, travel so much. Uh, for instance, and I think that will have a much stronger effect on executive education than in degree programs. Um, so I think we're going to see an increase in in, in, in blended content. Um, I think in degree programs, you know, we could see an uptick in demand. Um, although that people are 
sort of saying, you know, everybody's going to deflare and, 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 and you know, there's going to be a, a, a bit of a drop in demand later this year for master's programs and MBA programs. I actually am not sure about that because um, I think it's proven in our industry that when there's not a lot else to do, then people people can hide in university. So I think um, it's actually a really good time to be going for a master's um, because the job market's not going to be great in the next, uh, let's say, six to, to nine months. Um, so I think degree programs will, will probably emerge relatively similar, uh, albeit with lots more um, um, offerings in the blended space. But I think it's executive education that will will see quite a big shift to blended. Okay, and just to, to my last question, I suppose, to finish the interview, I think it's fair to say that ESMT Berlin Berlin is a distinct and, and leading business school, but you mentioned earlier in the interview that it's also part of the FOM Alliance, which is an alliance of other leading business schools around the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about how this works and, and what your plans for, for it going forward would be? I can, yeah, sure. Uh, so the FOM Alliance is currently a group of um, eight business schools. Uh, the furthest away from me is Melbourne, the nearest to me is, oh, I don't know who's nearer, probably... Um, EDEC in France, maybe. Uh, so there's eight of us all together, um, and we share a platform. We all use the same um, uh, blended learning and online learning delivery platform called Incendi, which is a spin out of Imperial. We share courses, uh, so sharing courses, for example, getting a visiting faculty from Imperial to come here or from Ivy in Canada to come to ESMT is almost as simple as a control C, control V, and a keyboard. Um, the fact that we're learning together about the latest innovations in, in online learning technology um, through a group we have at the moment we're meeting weekly because of the, the, the issues arising around corona, but it's really a best practice community. Um, we're looking constant, constantly at new technologies that we can bring in uh, to the group, and if one, one school has a particular experience with the technology, they can share it with the others. Um, and the group can then decide you know, whether they want to uh, ask for it to be built into our learning platform. Um, so I think this this was an opportunity that emerged for us as an alternative to either going it alone or going the the OPM model, uh, the online program manager model. So it's 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 sort of a group of independent schools um, collaborating, sharing, um, learning from one another. And, I, and what's what's really amazing about the group is you know, how the different parties think pedagogically. You know, people from the outside might think that the learning philosophies uh, school are, are very similar. Actually, they're not. They're, quite different in every school. So um, I think this gives us a chance to really look under the bonnet of other schools and, and, and learn from that ourselves. Uh, we're, also, um, we're also quite small, so we're also looking for more members, I would say. Fantastic. Well, that, that answers all my questions. Nick, thanks so much for, for taking the time to speak to me, and all the best. Okay, yep, it's a pleasure. Yep, take care. You're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Bakken, Communications and Insights Assistant at AMBA. Last month, I had a phone call with Lise Hammergren, Executive Vice President at Bioexecutive. We spoke about business school alliances, edtech, and the future of business schools. Use that conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Yes. So, um, uh, I was born in Oslo, uh, and... Uh, Grew up in uh, my father's uh, shoe shop, uh, and I think uh, growing up in that shop, I think it uh, created within me uh, a burning passion for customers uh, that I have uh, to this very day. And um, I went to business school, uh, studied economics and actually philosophy as well. 
and um, I have spent uh, my career until up until joining BI in 2012. Uh, I worked in in business. I worked for large companies such as Unilever in uh, London, uh, and that uh, sort of. Um, uh, just uh, grew my interest in, in understanding the the customer and creating a fabulous customer uh, experience. And then I moved on to the media industry and I worked for uh, one of the biggest uh, media companies in Scandinavia. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, this was a, 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 the uh, final part of the 90s and uh, the media industry went through disruption. Um, the kind of disruption that education is now facing um, and that uh, generated an interest in change management and I um, and I also have to this uh, this very day so uh, I also experienced the impact of, te- of technology uh, on, on the media industry and uh, that's obviously very relevant uh, today so now in uh, I'm at BI I'm uh, running executive education at uh, BI and at BI, that also means that I'm uh, the um, I'm running the executive MBA programs that we have at BI, and uh, the one that we run together with Fudan University in in Shanghai. Well, that sounds so interesting. So, how does BI Learning Tourism School create sustainable leaders? That's um, that's actually one of our. Uh, strategic uh, focuses uh, and has been for some time. Uh, um, it's really a part of, uh, you know, Norwegian um, culture it's, it's to, to, to look at uh, um, equality, to gender equality, to look at, uh, to be an inclusive community. So those are values that we try to bring, bring across in all of our programs at, at the business schools as well. And um, it may seem uh, ironic because you know that Norway is uh, as a country fueled on, on oil, and how can the business school, uh, very much linked to Norway, be uh, also focusing on sustainability? But we um, all our programs concerning energy has now been moved, uh, you know, towards focusing on uh, renewables and uh, sustainable energy forms. So um, across all uh, courses and programs at BI on undergraduate level, graduate level, and also executive programs, um, ex- uh, sustainability has to be a part of the curriculum. And we also have specific uh, courses. We have one track in our executive MBA focusing on sustainable uh, business. And uh, one of our most successful um, executive education programs is actually called Green Growth, and it's a, it's a five-week program focusing on uh, entrepreneurship and sustainable uh, growth. So I would say it's uh, really one of them. It's a strategic focus at uh, at BI. So another thing that's maybe unusual about um, BI is it's part of the Foam Alliance. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yes, um, uh, BI... We were um, one of the, the founders of the FOMI Alliance, um, and uh, we were uh, invited by Imperial uh, Business School to join this alliance, and it was based on the fact that uh, BHI has been um, quite active in, in moving to um, uh, online programs, experimenting with digital formats for quite some time. Uh, and that uh, caught the eye and interest of Imperial Business School, and that was why we were invited in to, to join the, um, the alliance. 
Um, and uh, it's really been fantastic. And it's uh, it's uh, in these times that we're going through now with the, with the coronavirus. It's uh, it's also a fantastic group of schools to share experiences with, and to to learn from um, other people's experiences and maybe mistakes. Um, and to move ahead uh, more uh, rapidly than we would have been able to to otherwise. And what has the alliance had like an impact on with them um, in terms of student experience? Uh, I think uh, the, we, we, the alliance started out as you know working on the on the platform called uh, Incendi, and that's uh, it was really a great improvement uh, to the platforms that we had used earlier. And also working with the alliance, we have been able to um, to move uh, you know the, the platform forward much more quickly than we would have been able to to otherwise. So we know that. So what the uh, student experiences on um, Incendi is uh, a much richer experience uh, than what you, I think, many students are now experiencing with the, uh, everything moving to Zoom and uh, Zoom uh, burnout being a phenomenon. Um, the uh, the alliance is uh, really, in, you know, into creating a completely different uh, learning experience and not just moving, um, you know, the uh, uh, no normal lecture online using Zoom. So uh, the f- student feedback uh, from what the federal programs we have moved to in, uh, this new platform has been phenomenal, and uh, it makes I, I think it uh, will be an advantage for us, uh, you know, um, going forward now that uh, every school is moving to uh, 100% online, and we need to stand out, and this is one way of. Uh, Getting a competitive advantage, so it's actually quite uh, fantastic. We we uh, collaborate with uh, our competitors in um, quotation marks uh, in order to get a competitive advantage. So it talked a bit about like going completely online because of the coronavirus. Do you think that mm. this this like, impact on education will impact it in the future as well? Or do you think that things will kind of return more? back to the way we've been or do you think this going online 100% online will impact how education is taught in the future? Well I think it will uh, definitely uh, have an impact. I don't think we'll go back to exactly the same way of doing things uh, ever again. I think there will always be you know, questions around the need uh, to travel also from a sustainability uh, point of view. And I think we all experience, and it's now it's, it is sufficient uh, to both work and uh, do pro, uh, run courses and programs in uh, in a digital format. But uh, I think we're all also experiencing, you know, this uh, Zoom burnout. So I think the need for face-to-face uh, experiences will definitely be there. So uh, that won't uh, go away. But uh, we'll, we will be doing things uh, differently, and I I think. Uh, Unfortunately, it will be a shakeout in the business school industry, and maybe not all schools will survive. So it will definitely be a new competitive landscape, and schools will behave differently, looking for an advantage in a time where everybody is online. What about other ed tech disruptors? Things seem to be changing so quickly in terms of AI and blockchain and all these 
big new ed tech mm. thing. How do how do mm. schools keep up with this changing technology? Mm. Keep relevant. Yeah. No, no, that's a very good question. It's uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why I think the Formula Alliance is, is so brilliant because so that's an alliance between uh, business schools. So. Uh, we are competitive, but we are competitive in uh, quotation marks because, uh, you know, um, even before the corona crisis, uh, a lot of business schools internationally started working with um, external providers. And that was always, you know, um, uh, a challenge because uh, they could end up with the business, uh, the external providers that you worked with. And only the really, really big uh, players in the business school market uh, were able to develop things completely on their own. So uh, I think um, you know the 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 ed, um, uh, dedication um, uh, disruptors they're already there. Um, I think all business schools you know they have lost some business to these um, uh, these competitors. But I think uh, working with other business schools in a similar position as ourselves will enable us to really create the advantage and uh, and stand out. But obviously, we need to understand the needs uh, better than our competition. So nothing new there. It's all about understanding the customer and then provide a better solution. Um, uh, and I think we have an advantage there because we are very close to the market and we understand uh, our customers. So would you say that the creation of Boom was maybe a bit defensive against the big ed tech disruptors? Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, it, uh, as I mentioned, it's really, um, uh, you know, in an area where you really have to move away fr from only face-to-face -face because uh, then you'll be, okay, some, there will be some um, some place in the market uh, doing that, but I think most business schools understand they need to to uh, be able to scale, uh, um, you know, to go further than just face-to-face. Uh, and, and then the big question is, uh, obviously, should we build ourselves or should we, uh, you know, buy from external providers? So I think the Formula Alliance is um, an alternative to that, uh, to, to build uh, together, to build uh, with, together with uh, partner schools uh, and to make sure that it is uh, targeted towards exactly our needs and also um, enabling us to meet uh, our customers' needs in a better way than... Um, on the competition. So I think it's uh, the Formula Alliance is definitely an answer to that. So what about graduates from business schools? Do you think that they have the right knowledge for what the top employers need them and want them to have? You know, uh, I've been uh, thinking about that and uh, I think that uh, this is really the time for business schools. Uh, I think uh, what business schools teach is exactly what the top employers need now. And uh, they need uh, graduates that uh, know how to shape the future, uh, in uh, to how to work with technology, how to work with people, how to be creative, how to lead, lead teams, how to communicate well. And uh, I think uh, most business schools uh, are focusing on these uh, areas now, you know, the, the soft topics uh, and the skills that are needed uh, in order to work well with technology and with people to, to create the future. And uh, actually at uh, BI, you know, we just had um, the uh, deadline for enrollment in Norway for uh, 
for this year's um, uh, undergraduate and graduate programs. And we have a 30% increase in applications, 30%. And we are one of the biggest schools in Europe. We have, um, we have around 20,000 students. And so you can imagine it will uh, uh, a 30% increase in, um, in applicants. It's, it's phenomenal. And um, it's, I, I think it's a sign that you know, uh, you know, uh, business schools with good reputations are really the safe uh, choice these days. It's uh, obviously uh, we, we also have the effect of um, students not going abroad. Uh, they don't take a leap year. They won't have a year working as a barista as they maybe planned because those jobs are gone. <laughs> so, so obviously uh, that, that's a lot of those factors uh, coming in now. But I am also uh, confident that you know this is a response to a need uh, and an understanding that these are skills that will enable me to be a part of building uh, uh, the new future that we will have after this virus. That's amazing. I, um, that, that's just incredible that um, it's a 30% increase. It's kind of shocking in the current climate, but um, we must be very pleased. <laughs> we are. So this is not, uh, this is, uh, not for uh, executive education because that is a more of a running um, application. But that's also uh, not not looking too bad, actually. It's, uh, but you know, my target, you know, the target audience for um, for executive uh, programs, executive MBAs, and we just started our executive MBA actually, and that has been running one hundred percent digitally and uh, with very uh, good feedback from the students. Uh, but this was for for the undergraduate and graduate programs. But of course, that is. Um, two-thirds of the um, number of students at PI, so it's extremely important for us, and, it, and it's wonderful. But I think it's just a sign for all business schools that, uh, you know, bit, um, uh, well, um, uh, a business schools with a good reputation will be seen as a safe choice uh, and a choice that will enable uh, students to uh, be a part of building uh, the future that is coming now. Out of interest, what does a typical, like, um, applicant look like is it? Is that a lot of people who are interested in going into Oslo and um, sorry, going into oil because Oslo is so um, connected to oil? Or um... mm, no, not at all. The oil industry, I think, not at all. I don't think anyone has high hopes for the oil industry these days. It's, uh, I think, you know, with the extremely low of, uh, oil prices. Uh, no, no, no. I think it's uh, there's been. Um, I think very few people in Norway have been looking at the oil industry as a source of employment. Uh, I think almost from you know from the last oil crisis in uh, uh, 2014. So no, no, no. They they will be looking at the moving into um, industries that have been left from the oil industry that are you know building on the technology that, that was uh, generated in the oil industry that now can be used in other areas. That's very interesting. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you to Nick and Louise for being on the podcast. They left us with some valuable insights on the future of business schools, especially in regards to alliances and edtech disruptors. For more thought leadership, please visit www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition and make sure to listen out for our next podcast.